and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, hey, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday that you are going to want to check out. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram. And of course, guys, if you love what you're hearing, be sure you click that five-star rating. Yes. And thank you guys for listening. And thank you for all those wonderful reviews. Now, today on the show, happy Thanksgiving. That's right. It's Thanksgiving time with your dog. And we're going to talk some turkey with you. And then we're going to have a brief history of the turkey and Thanksgiving. And we're about all things animals here at Speak a Dogcast. And, well, there's a history that goes along with that animal and our amazing holiday. Then we're going to have the listener Q&A. And if you guys have questions for the listener Q&A, keep them coming at me. You can email me questions at speakadogcast.com or feel free to message me on social media as well. Now, before we get going with today's show, got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is Thanksgiving related, of course. And that is how long do turkeys live? Yes, how long do turkeys live? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. on Speak a Dogcast, happy Thanksgiving with your dog. Yes, I want you to have a very happy Thanksgiving, and one of the best ways to do it is to make sure your dog is safe. (laughs) All different kinds of ways your dog needs to stay safe on Thanksgiving. Look, I say it, people just kind of, we don't really think about it. We kind of gloss over it. Our dogs during the holiday times, there's not a lot of thought that goes into it. And look, guys, dogs get lost. Pets in general, cats too. Um, These pets get out during holiday time because there's a lot going on, especially if you're hosting the holidays, right? Uh, If you've got people coming over, whether they're staying for an extended period, (laughs) fun holiday, or they're just coming over for dinner or a meal, guys, there's a lot to be thought of. And I know the pets get put on the back burner. So I get it. I get it. I do. But I'm I'm here to remind you. (laughs) I'm here to remind you to not forget your pets at holiday time. Okay. Uh, Like a common one is you forget to book boarding. That's the first thing right there. If you're going out of town, guys, don't forget call those facilities early. We're, we're already at Thanksgiving week. You know what I mean? If you're going out of town for uh, Christmas and the holidays coming up, you better call those places now because they fill up soon. And I know a lot of you are like, oh my gosh, David, you're right. I totally forgot to call. Pick up the phone and do it. <laughs> they book up quickly, sometimes months in advance. Uh, so be sure you don't forget to provide a place for your pets when you go out of town. <laughs> But, you know, there's all kinds of stuff we can talk about with Thanksgiving. And like we know, it's just like a lot of holidays, which is my my, my favorite holidays tend to be the food centric holidays. <laughs> they do. And Thanksgiving is one of the best ones. Uh, we actually like to deep fry our turkeys. That's one of our family traditions. We're not like talking like a breaded fried piece of chicken. Uh, we're, we're talking, to the, the, you know, we marinate it the night before, at least the night before. I, I don't do it. Uh, my brother-in-law makes an amazing deep fried turkey. And... Um, you know, they inject the marinade and it's just, it's fantastic. So uh, whatever your traditions are, you know, hey, be safe out there. But let's talk about the dogs, all the food. That's the problem. Food-centric holidays are not necessarily great for your dog. We talked about this with Halloween and it's just a thing that comes with it. And unfortunately, there are a lot of foods out there on Thanksgiving that can really be potentially harmful for your dogs. So, you know, let's just start with the bad stuff. Let's start with the bad food list of things that we have to be careful that we don't want our pets to get a hold of and why, right? Um, You know, look, 
there are good foods, but let's start with the bad ones. The bad ones are obviously turkey, guys. Turkey's not good for your dogs. Make sure you're, you know, a little piece here, a little piece there. It's yeah, sure. But come on, guys. Let's not be giving our dogs a ton of turkey. It's not good for them. And especially my bigger concern than anything, the bones. No bones about it. You guys know it. Bones can splinter. This is serious stuff. People think we're supposed to give dogs bones, but it really, especially the turkey bones, um, they tend to be a little more brittle and frail easier. Frail, is that the right word? Maybe not, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, they'll splinter. There's the word I'm looking for. They will splinter easier. And guys, it gets caught in your dog's throat. How about just the fact that a little piece of bone, if your dog swallows the bone and it literally lodges itself in your dog's throat, I've heard of it. It can happen. It does happen. And you've got to be careful. Okay. So please do not give your dogs bones. Do not give your dogs turkey bones. They could literally kill your dog. I'm not joking. Okay. And with that said, let's remember little kids, guys, all the little kids, whether they're your own or visiting kids, cousins, friends, make sure you educate kids about giving dogs turkey and bones and the fact that you shouldn't, right? Same thing with the turkey skin, guys. None of that just does avoid the turkey parts, the gravy, all this fatty junk that's not good for your dogs, okay? Um, but the bones, that's just, to me, that's the biggest one. I have to put it out there. Please, please, please don't be giving your dogs bones. You shouldn't be giving your dogs stuffings. You shouldn't be giving your dogs any of the casseroles. They are so delicious. <laughs> but like, look, I make a sweet potato casserole that is just absolutely horrible for us, right? For human being consumption, it is just delicious and bad for you. It's butter, it's brown sugar, it's marshmallow. I mean, it is just the best stuff in the world. And if it's really bad for us, imagine how horrible it is for your dog. Okay. I know I'm not trying to be like the bad guy here, but uh, especially if you're entertaining guys, if you've got 30 people at your house and every, each one of them or even 15 of those 30 people give your dog a tiny piece of something that adds up really fast you know, and it really can cause some serious issues. Raisins and grapes. We got to go down there. Raisins and grapes. A lot of times will make their way onto these casseroles or things like that. They can kill your dog, guys. You know this, you know this. So you've got to be careful with the holiday time, taking extra precautions to making sure you're either keeping your dog out of the kitchen, out of the dining room, crate your dog, put your dog in a bedroom, do something during Thanksgiving to ensure that your dog stays safe. Okay. Uh, then we also got to talk about the chocolate. I always have to put it out there, guys. Xylitol. Uh, X-Y-L-I-T-O-L. Xylitol. Starts with an X. It is an artificial sweetener that's being put into a lot of chocolates, a lot of sweets. Guys, if you're uh, purchasing maybe even in look, I, I, I don't know this for certain, but maybe like a, I'm just trying to think, potentially a frosting, like a canned frosting. I don't know. There could be xylitol in it. So it's important that you read the ingredients on these things. If you're planning on giving your dog this, which you shouldn't be giving your dog this, <clears throat> but that's my point, guys. Xylitol. You may not even think a little little dab for my seven-pound chihuahua of this stuff. What's the harm, David? It's a little sugar. What if it's not? What if it's this artificial sweetener instead of sugar, and it could potentially kill your dog or harm them? Serious stuff, guys. Haha. All right. All the fatty foods. We need to be avoiding all of the fatty foods. It's so bad for your dogs. I can't stress it enough, guys. They aren't designed to eat the same things you and I are. Okay, certain things, yes, but most things, no. Onions, scallions, garlic, do all these sound familiar on Thanksgiving? Because they're in so many of the foods. Very, very bad for your dogs. Most people know how bad garlic is, right? We don't really think of the scallions and the onions. It's the same family, guys. It's the same kind of plant there um, that we've got to be careful. 
How about alcoholic beverages? I love a good, uh, nice, good beer on Thanksgiving. Who doesn't? Keep them away from your dogs, you know? Tell your family members, remind them, guys, please don't be feeding your dogs this stuff. We just got to go die. I know this is like listing off. It's painful. David, listen to how much my dog can't have. Correct. <laughs> Yeast dough. Yeast dough can actually cause gas and potentially very dangerous bloating. Guys, God forbid we combine uh, dangerous bloating with our dog playing and running around with all the kids and all of a sudden that bloating turns into their stomach flipping over and here we have a serious issue, okay? It's these things that we just maybe don't think about because, ah, David, it's just Thanksgiving. The kids are playing. The dog's having some snacks. So what? It can be serious stuff. That's that's all there is to it. I want you guys to have fun and enjoy your holiday, but these things can be bad for our dogs. How about the trash? You know, we tend to probably put a big trash bag out somewhere that maybe is easily accessible for your dog. Make sure you're considering that, guys. Very easy for your dogs to find these bones. You know, the nose knows. It's it's going to find these things, and it's going to get into places it shouldn't be. So remember that with your dogs to keep even the trash out of reach, okay? Uh, look, ask your veterinarian. I bet you anything, Every all of your veterinarians are going to tell you that they see a large uptick uh, in phone calls during Thanksgiving because of all of these foods, right? Now, safe foods. There are a lot of safe foods we can give our dogs. How about sweet potatoes, green beans, apples, pumpkin? All of these are safe when they are on their own. <laughs> okay, so if you want to boil up some sweet potatoes before you make it into that delicious, sugary, awesome, fatty casserole, and then give those to your dog, sure. You want the same thing with the green beans. Blanch some green beans and throw them to your dog before you throw all the bad stuff on? Absolutely. A little bit of the can of pumpkin, some apples. This is all good stuff to feed your dogs. Right? Within, within moderation, let's also not go overboard. Um, but that's the thing. Before these items are made into delicious, amazing recipes, that's when they're safe for your pets. Okay? So really take that into consideration, guys, because to me, the foods are the biggest thing that we kind of overlook during holiday time, especially because you have visitors over. You're not, your family may be phenomenal about not giving your dog treats, but don't forget, if you have family, if you have friends in town, you need to explain to them I know it sounds kind of, David, explain to them the rules. Yeah, explain them the rules. Look, when people come into my home, I tell them, please don't feed my dogs. You know, my dogs don't get people food. Please don't feed them. There's nothing wrong with that, guys. It's your dogs. It's your rules. And make sure people can accept that. That's on them if they can. All right. So that kind of brings us to the visitors. I know you don't want to be like scolding your visitors, but guys... It's your dog, and these are potentially dangerous things. So I don't really see the problem in a nice way, telling him, hey, don't feed my dog, okay? Not a big deal. Now, let's also think of practical things, guys. If your dog is scared of kids, if your dog is scared of crowds, let's not stress them out if we haven't trained and worked them through these issues. Let's put them in a crate, or take them to a friend's house, or a doggy day camp facility, whatever the right fit might be for you, you know? Um... It can also, we can also do the opposite. We can take the time to take this as a training opportunity. Now, I don't always recommend using holidays as training opportunities because usually you're preoccupied. You've got guests over, you're entertaining, you're cooking, you want to relax and enjoy too. So if you want to take that on, hey, kudos to you and that's awesome, but make sure you're setting yourself up for success with that training. Um, but you know, to me, the holidays are not necessarily ideal for that because you need to enjoy too. You need to enjoy that family time and turn off and relax. So maybe not the best time for it. So just think about that management of where your pet's going to be. Now, another thing to think about, guys, speaking of management, God forbid a dog or a cat gets out on the holidays. Make sure your microchip information is up to date. Make sure your dog tags, the tags or collars are up to date. Make sure they're wearing their collars 
during holiday time. Not everybody has a pet, right? Not everybody is as mindful about making sure that door closes and watching for pets. So it's best to just kind of be proactive. Just a little reminder, make sure you've got all of your pet's info up to date, okay? Um, you know, it, it, it can be really tough, This this the managing the in and out. That's why I'm saying boarding or a crate or can be your best friend, guys, all right? Um, now, another thing, this is another holiday. It's kind of like Halloween. I, I look at Halloween as like the best holiday to work on the front door exercise because, man, how many times in a night with trick-or-treaters do you get the opportunity? Holidays can be an opportunity for that as well. If you've already been working on the front door, right? You've already been making progress. Well, then, hey, this is an awesome time to have all your visitors come to the door and practice that front door exercise. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, lots of, I think I've done at least three segments on this now on the front door. Go back and check them out. Go back and find them. All kinds of good info about how to answer the door controlled with your dog, right? Uh, Taking it slowly and practicing it before the holiday. So that way you can really, uh, you know, kind of show off a little bit too if your dog's doing great, uh, but get that real practice into. Anyway, so we can also work on a leave it command. There's these these training opportunities that do come with holiday time. What about a leave it? Work on the leave it command before Thanksgiving. And that way when somebody does drop turkey, does drop a raisin, a grape, you can tell your dog to leave it and they will, right? Um, Now, what if you have family that's bringing their dogs in town? Look, if your dogs have never met your family's dogs and you don't know anything about your family's dogs, I'll be honest, this may not be the best time to do it. (laughs) And once again, I believe it's your home, it's your dog, it's your rules. You need to set that up and make sure your family understands the boundaries that come with that. Uh, Yeah, look, it's again, it's your home. I'm not here to start any family drama, but if the dogs are going to potentially stress somebody out or it's going to stress the dogs out or it may not go well for everybody... And maybe leaving the other dogs at home is the uh, is the better option. So don't be afraid to tell your family members your boundaries with your dogs because you could be avoiding a fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, let's be logical about this. It's not like feelings getting hurt. It's you're trying to avoid a conflict. Uh, and that's that's a good thing. <laughs> I know with holiday times, people don't believe that sometimes. They just want to they just want to confront every. No, holidays are not necessarily the best time to confront family drama, are they, guys? I mean, come on. When does that ever work out? <laughs> So, so same thing with the dogs. If there's going to be some family drama within dogs, maybe the holidays are not the best time to try to work on that. Food for thought. Um, <laughs> but if your family does bring their dogs, look, it always goes back to doing a proper introduction. You should do the introduction outside on leash and take your time. You know, in a nutshell, we've talked about it actually recently, but you know, in a nutshell, guys, you need your dogs to be ignoring each other from a distance before you can expect them to be totally cool with each other up close. Uh, That's the nutshell version of it. So take your time getting them used to each other from afar and then try to move closer and closer. Again, hopefully they're ignoring each other is the idea. So that way they don't view each other as a threat. All good. But hey, there's more detail in that. We're not going into that today. Um, (laughs) So... Thanksgiving, honestly, guys, it is. It's one of my favorite holidays because I love all the food. Um, you know, I really do. It's, it's. I, I love it because it reminds us to be grateful. It reminds us to maybe take a step back and see that sometimes things aren't so bad, as tough as it can be sometimes, right? You know, uh, everybody's got, <laughs> everybody, isn't that, I mean, come on, we're human. Everybody's got their, their, their struggles, but everybody also has their successes. And I feel like Thanksgiving is that time to reflect and be grateful for those successes. And with your dog, I want you guys to be safe. I want you to think about these things. I know it seems a little, oh, David, these are like rules and don'ts and uh, don't feed this, don't do. It is, but it's important stuff, guys. So I hope you take it to heart. I hope you keep your dog safe and yourself safe on this holiday. And of course, always be responsible out there. 
there as we're drinking and enjoying on Thanksgiving as well. So have a happy Thanksgiving and I'll see you guys next week. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speak a Dogcast, the history of the turkey and Thanksgiving. We hear stories all the time about Thanksgiving. Now, if you grew up and went to school in the United States, you're told the story of the first Thanksgiving feast with the pilgrims and the Native Americans. While there are some truths to the story, as with much of history, some things become embellished over time. You know, humans were natural storytellers. We love to pass on our history through oral traditions, and much like the game of, you know, telephone and whisper down the lane, these stories change and evolve, but while for the most part still keeping the underlying theme. So to begin with, the first Thanksgiving as we know it, well, there was a feast between the Native Americans and the first settlers at Plymouth Colony in Massachusetts. However, there is no actual evidence to support turkey being present at this meal. Now, the Native Americans brought deer, and the pilgrims ended up bringing fowl. Now, look, fowl could have been turkey, sure, uh, as they were native to the area, but historians, most historians are going to agree that it was more likely duck or geese that they brought. The celebration of a fall harvest, it was nothing new to Europeans at this time. Days of Thanksgiving, as they were known, uh, they were common among Christians and many of the new colonists. So although at the time, few people associated these celebrations with the settlers at Plymouth. Now, by the turn of the 19th century, turkeys were becoming more commonplace at such occasions, mostly for practical purposes, though. It's estimated that there were around 10 million turkeys in America at the beginning of European settlement, and turkeys were also commonplace on farms, and their only real purpose, well, quite frankly, it was for slaughter. You know, something like a cow or a hen or a goat used to make milk or maybe had uh, uses other than meat. Turkeys, though, on the other hand, they're large size. They made a good source of meat for a large gathering. So naturally, the turkey kind of became a go-to for such occasions. But still, it did not become the symbol of Thanksgiving that it is today. Now, oftentimes, Charles Dickens' novel, A Christmas Carol, we all know that story, that's actually attributed to spreading the idea of a turkey holiday dinner. Others believe that the turkey's close association with Benjamin Franklin, yes, is where the tradition actually came from. Now, Franklin, for those of you that don't know, Benjamin Franklin actually wanted the national bird of the United States to be the turkey instead of the bald eagle. Now, he believed that the turkey was much more of a, quote, respectable bird. <laughs> but it might have actually been writer Sarah Josepha Hale, who perhaps contributed a larger role in making the turkey a staple of the Thanksgiving table. 
In her 1827 novel, Northwood, she wrote an entire chapter detailing the New England Thanksgiving with a turkey at the head of the table. Now, she also campaigned to make Thanksgiving a national holiday. She believed that it could potentially help to unify the country, which at the time was edging closer toward the Civil War. Now, finally, in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln made, the Thanksgiving, uh, made Thanksgiving a national holiday with a presidential proclamation. Now, back in the day, we all know how you got cattle to the slaughter, right? Uh, we used cattle drives, moving herds across vast distances, hundreds, sometimes even thousands of miles. And it was actually no different with the turkeys. <laughs> you know, it's something that's really not talked about. But there was once upon a time, turkey drovers. And they moved large flocks of turkeys long distances to be slaughtered. And back in the 18th and 19th century, you know, roads weren't very good. And these journeys could be really quite tough. The other thing is, you know, turkeys, they don't really tend to move as well as cattle. They're moving at like a mile per hour. So <laughs> that doesn't help as well as, I mean, come on, we all know it. They're not the brightest birds around. At the end of the day, turkeys do sense the sun setting and will hunker down in trees and not want to move again uh, right until the morning. But unfortunately, being that they're not so bright, they'll often mistake cloud cover or even thick forested areas as sunset and they'll hunker down, making the turkey drive a long and tedious process. The domesticated wild turkey, well, the domesticated turkey, excuse me, has definitely changed over the years from their wild counterparts. They are originally from uh, native to Mexico, Central, and North America. Now, while everybody thinks of the beautiful plumage of the turkey, those are in fact the male turkeys, while the females tend to have a more brown and plain plumage. So this Thanksgiving, though, I do want to say how grateful I am to all of you guys for listening to the podcast, helping support it. Uh, I'm hoping to see some really awesome growth here in the next few months, some really cool things happening. So be sure you stick around. And again, Thank you guys so much for listening. So whatever your method and traditions are of cooking and enjoying the turkey, I hope you do all have a safe, grateful, and a very happy Thanksgiving. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Alex from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Alex says, My cat and my new dog are not getting along so well. My dog is seven months old and my cat is five years old, and I've had my cat since he was a kitten. Now my puppy seems to just want to play, but the cat does not. What can I do to help them get along better? A good question, Alex. Uh, you know, most of the time when you have a puppy and a full-grown adult cat, these things do tend to work themselves out over time. Now, I'm hoping your cat is not declawed. Uh, I'm definitely in favor of not declawing cats. But if your cat is not declawed, at some point, it's going to correct your puppy. You know, he's going to correct your puppy. Uh, it's not going to hurt your puppy, but your puppy will learn that there's a boundary there. And they sort of work out their dynamic and, you know, all is well. Now, this can take some time. This can take even a couple months. So you do have to be patient with it. At the same time, you know, you're the human, you're the owner, you do need to find if there is a boundary, a line that your dog crosses, your puppy crosses, you need to be able to correct your puppy and tell them no. You know, there does need to be that uh, factor where, yeah, there is a line where your dog can be too much. We don't want your dog hurting your cat, obviously. Most likely it's not going to happen, being that it's playful behavior. But again, that's where you need to step in and make sure you're still providing a, a very black and white boundary to your dog, making sure that they understand what's too much and what isn't. But again, most of the time, they're going to work out the dynamic on their own, uh, but it's up to you to decide where that line and 
too much of that is, okay? So definitely let them work it out, definitely let them figure it out. It can take time, be patient with it, but know that you're still the human, it's still your job to step in and decide where the boundary is. Next question. This comes from Danny from Scarsdale, New York. Danny says, I just got a new dog about three months ago and I've been listening to your podcast and it's been a great help. Thanks for listening. Uh, but there is one thing I have not been able to solve. He is scared of trash cans. You know, we can go for walks on any day but trash day and he's fine. But when the cans are there at the curb, it's a different story. Now recently he's begun to growl at them too. I just try to keep walking and just keep the focus on the walk. But as soon as we pass the trash can, there's another one. <laughs> what should I do? Yeah, that's the problem with trash day, isn't it? <laughs> Everybody puts their cans out. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, like that might be right there. That might be a part of the problem. The fact that your dog can't get away from them, maybe feel surrounded by them, that, that may be a contributing factor to this. Uh, but you know, look, there's, there's a relatively easy solution. What I want you to do is on trash day, you're gonna take your trash can to the curb and then I want you to leash your dog up and go down toward the trash can. Now don't don't force it, don't get too close, you know, maybe 10, 20 feet away at most. Uh, to a point, obviously your dog, I'm sure your dog notices them from a distance, so you probably don't have to get too close to get this to happen. Uh, but basically, you wanna get close enough to the trash can and try to get your dog in a sit in a stay. Okay? Really, I need you to just go out to the trash can and hang out by it. That's really what it comes down to. We need to desensitize your dog and then recondition what the trash can means to him, okay? So if you can get down there and get in a sit and stay, you wanna have your treat pouch, okay? So leashed up dog treat pouch. You wanna just kind of sit and relax. You don't want your dog pacing and moving about and giving him the chance to work himself up and growling. No, let's just do a nice sit, stay, and see if you can reward it, okay? If he gets up, back to a sit and stay. I wanna just hang out at the trash can for 10, 20 minutes, okay? And get him relaxing. Then we're gonna look for very particular small subtleties, okay? Now, if your dog is staring at the trash can when he first comes out and you notice all of a sudden he kind of gives up on it, make sure you reward that. If your dog's body language is very direct at the trash can when you come out there and he sort of starts to give up and turn away after a few minutes, kind of, eh, not so, make sure you reward that. If your dog has been sitting for the first 10 minutes you're out there and all of a sudden lies down, make sure you reward that. What we're looking for more than anything is, you know, we're, we're looking for more, uh, two things, two things here that we're really looking to hone in on. The first thing is any kind of relaxing behavior in front of the trash cans, whether it's a sit, a lie down, ignoring. And the second thing is ignoring the trash can, kind of one in the same in a roundabout way. Uh, but I'm looking for any sort of giving up on the trash can, ignoring the trash can, and any sort of relaxing behavior in front of the trash can. Make sure you're rewarding it with treats, praise uh, every time he does, but don't make it a big deal. Okay, it's like, hey, good boy. That's it, move on. It's not gonna be good boy, oh, no, no, no. I'm not gonna make it a big deal because the more you make it a big deal, the more your dog thinks it's a big deal, okay? We don't wanna make it a big deal. We wanna make it like, hey, good boy, walk by a trash can, who cares, good boy, okay? Another thing to keep in mind, Let's not try to reason with your dog. No no coddling, no, it's okay, none of that stuff. We only wanna reward calming behavior. We don't wanna reason with him, we wanna uh, get him there by, by relaxing by the trash can, by putting him in a sit, by redirecting that focus away. That's how we get a dog to relax in front of something they're nervous with, not coddling them. So I just wanna make sure, you didn't say you were doing that, but uh, just wanna point out to make sure, don't try to reassure your dog, it's okay. That's what the treats will do when they relax. And then once they relax, they go, oh, 
I got to treat for relaxing, not for freaking out. Cool, I'm going to relax again. Kind of makes sense when you think about it, right? Um, so that's, that's those two important things, relaxation and giving up on the trash can, the focus going away from the trash can. Those are the two things I really want you to hone in on, reinforce and strengthen. And then once your dog starts giving up on your trash can, then we can start to try to go for that walk again by the other trash cans, okay? Uh, it's going to take some time. Don't, you know, don't, don't push it. Don't rush it. Be patient. Uh, try to implement this stuff and let me know how it goes. The answer to today's trivia question, how long do turkeys live? It depends. <laughs> Wild turkeys are going to have a lifespan of three to five years, while domesticated turkeys have a lifespan of up to 10 years. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. If you love what you're hearing, give me that five-star rating. Have a wonderful, happy, and safe Thanksgiving, and I'll see you next week. Don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.